I'm, I'm going to use a focus verse tonight. And it's going to be 1 Samuel 15, 22. That's the focus verse. Say amen when you all find it. Amen? Okay. And Samuel said, Had the Lord as great delight in burnt offering and sacrifice as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to hearten than the fat of rams. That's the King James Version. The NIV says, But Samuel replied, Does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifice as much as in obeying the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed is better than the fat of ram. Uh, Samuel, Samuel was dedicated to the Lord from he was a youth. His mother, is, uh, his mother's name was Hannah, and she um, she wanted a male child, and she was specific. She didn't just want a child. She, she was a praying woman, so she asked God for a male child. And she continued praying and dedicated herself, and God gave her the child that she wanted. But she also told God that she would dedicate that child back to him. And she did. You know, sometimes we are in um, a situation and we pray, we get dedicated and we pray, and we tell God, okay, if you do this, God, I will do this. But as soon as God does this, we forget to do this. So, but she, she was a woman to her word. And um, when the child was fully weaned, about four years old, she took him back to the um, temple. And she let him stay with the priest, which was Eli. Eli taught him everything that he needed to know about God. Taught him everything that he knew he needed to know about serving in the temple. So he grew up that way, just knowing um, about the Lord, how to serve God, how to serve in the temple. And the Bible says Samuel continued to grow in status and had favor with God and man. And we see that in First Samuel two twenty six. Eli had two sons, and it was customary um, for, you know, the, the son of the, the priest to take over. You know, he would train up the child in, in the way of the Lord, and they will take over. But he had two sons, and they did not follow in his footsteps. And they did evil. <coughs> and... Uh, just to get right to the point, God eventually judged them and they died. They went up against the Philistines. You know, they, weren't, they were doing evil in the sight of the Lord and they led the Israelites against the Philistines. The Philistines attacked them, killed them. When Samuel heard, he was an old man. And how the Bible describes him, he, he was heavy. So when he heard that bad news, he fell backward and he died. So all three of them died the same day. At that point, Samuel was established as the priest, 
the prophet, and the last judge of Israel. Eli was the last judge before him. But he now was established as a, a priest, a prophet, and a judge. And he instructed the people to get rid of their idols and come right back to the Lord. And he prayed to the Lord for the people. And at that time, constantly in the life of Israel, they always have an enemy that they are fighting against. In this case, it was the Philistine. The Philistine just, I mean, a little time before, killed, you know, Eli's sons and Eli eventually died. So they constantly had war. But since Samuel took over, he was a man of God. Um, God was, was with him as he led Israel all the days of his life. But the hand of God was against the Philistine. So the Philistine didn't, didn't get any, um, wasn't able to harass them and, and, you know, destroy, kill them and stuff like that. Because Samuel was a man of God, he trusted in God, God took care of him. So during his lifetime, the Philistines, they, they came back into Israel no more. They stay where they were because um, God was with the, the Israelites. Samuel had two sons. And when he got older, he put those two sons in charge, you know, to, to be judges. But they too never followed in his footsteps. So the people, they decided... They didn't want his two sons. They wanted a king to rule over them. So they went to Samuel and they said, hey, we need a king. We, we, we don't want your son. We need a king. Samuel, he, he felt it. He was, he, was, he was upset. You know, so he went to God with it. And God told him, you know, don't cry about it. Don't, don't feel bad about it. They haven't rejected you. They have rejected me. Because how God wanted this to work is the children of Israel, he should be their king forever. He would protect them. Whatever they needed, they would lean upon him and he would provide whatever they needed. But God doesn't force anyone to serve him. He gives everyone a free will. He uses his prophet to warn his people, but he gives you a free will, you know, but you know, if you make the wrong decision, go the wrong way, it is going to cost you something. So, because the people wanted a king, he chose Samuel. He is the one that chose Samuel. So, he sent, uh, not Samuel, Saul. So, he sent Saul to anoint Samuel. When he anointed Sam, um, Saul, Saul, Saul wasn't even thinking about this. Saul was from the tribe of Benjamin. He, and um, he wasn't in a position to succeed anybody and become king. He was just an ordinary Israelite going about his business. Um, when God chose him, the Bible says Samuel, Saul was a man head and shoulder above the rest of people. So he was tall. 
apparently he was big and, and, and um, strong looking. The Bible says, the spirit of the Lord came upon Saul and God gave him a new heart. 1 Samuel 10, 9. So by giving him a new heart, that is the tool that he needed to succeed. Because what he cared about daily was his animals, his, 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 his garden, you know, things to eat. But now God gave him a new heart, so he was thinking now about um, the welfare of the people instead of his animals. His new heart allowed him to think about delivering the people. He, he was more thinking about the people now. God put, you know, whatever he needed into him so that he will be a, a king and he would start thinking like a king and acting like a king. But Saul failed because he was, he was arrogant. He, he was full of pride. At one point, he stepped in the role of a priest and offered a sacrifice. As I said earlier, um, Saul was from the tribe of Benjamin. The Benjamites weren't um, supposed to offer sacrifice. It's just the Levites. So if he did that, he was stepping out of his, um, his authority. Samuel was a, was a Levite. He was a descendant of a Levite. We see that in 1 Samuel 1.1, 1, 1, um, 1 Chronicles 6.33-38. So Samuel was qualified, but he offered up sacrifice instead of Samuel. So here we are now in 1 Samuel 15, 1-3. Samuel also said unto Saul, The Lord, Lord sent me to anoint thee to be king over his people, over Israel. Now therefore, hearken thou unto the voice of, of the words of the Lord. Thus said the Lord of hosts, I remember that when Amalek, which Amalek did to the Israelites, how he laid wait for him in the way, when he came out of Egypt. Now go and smite Amalek. And utterly destroy them. All that they have. And spare them not. But slay both man and woman. Infant and, and suckling. Ox and sheep. Camel and donkey. Samuel went to Saul with a message. He reminded Saul. That it is the Lord who instructed Samuel to anoint him king. Therefore he should listen. You know, he's telling him, just giving him a little background. God anointed you. God raised you up here. So hear the word of the Lord. This is what you need to do. This is the instruction straight from the Lord. Go and do it. The Lord, he told him that the Lord remembered what Amalek did. And this is what they um, the Amalekites did. When the Egyptians, when uh, Israel got free from Egypt and they were heading to the promised land, the Amalekites, they um, hid from them. And when, you know, you have a long line of people, the, the, the stragglers, the people who, the weak, the, the women, children, 
they attacked them from behind and killed them. So God remembered that. God remembered that. And um, if you can turn to Exodus 17, 14 to 16. God actually told Moses to write it down and tell it to Joshua. He will utterly destroy the Amalekites. He didn't forget it. Exodus 17, 14 to 16. He told them, tell it to Joshua. He will utterly destroy the Amalekites. Again, he told them not to forget. Moses, when he was um, at one point here in Deuteronomy 25, 17 to 19, he reminded them about the Amalekites. So, the Israelites, they knew what had transpired with the Amalekites. There was no love lost between them. They knew that God had intended for them to be destroyed. So here we see that time does not erase sin. Because this happened a long time before what we are talking now. This happened from way back when the Egyptians, when the Israelites were coming out of Egypt. Time doesn't erase sin. God still, still remembers an unrepented sin. Only the blood of Jesus can wash away sin. The Bible says in Hebrew 9.22, In fact, the law requires that nearly everything be cleansed with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. So, no matter how much time passes, if you have an unrepented sin, it is still there. It is still sin. Time, what time did, it gave the Amalekites an opportunity to repent. And they didn't. In fact, they probably got worse. So, God called for a judgment against them here now. This, this war, it wasn't the Israelites calling for this war. It is God using the Israelites to take revenge. Because what they did against the poor people, the people who couldn't defend themselves, God remember it and he would judge them for it. And even though they weren't the original Amalekites, they were descendants, you know, from generation to generation. Um, We tend to, we we want to wonder now, who are the Amalekites? And we can go back a little. Isaac, he had two sons, Esau and Jacob. And one of them represented the spirit and the other represented the flesh. You know what happened? Esau was the firstborn and therefore he was entitled to the birthright. Um, Twice as much as what the other siblings would have gotten if the father wasn't there, he assumed responsibility. If the father died, he was in charge. You know, and furthermore, it is God who gives the birthright. So he despised his birthright. One day he came from the field. He was a hunter. He came in. He was hungry. And Jacob was the second. He 
um, he, 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 he wanted some food. And Jacob was cooking. So he said to him, hey, give me your birthright and I'll give you some food. But he didn't regard his birthright. He, did, he had no regard for that. So he said, hey, I'll give it to you. Give me the food. Gave him the food. And he got his birthright. So he treated it like nothing. God gave it to him and he treated it like nothing. So he was the fleshly man. And um, so uh, Esau, his descendants were the Amalekites. His son, son, you know, his grandson was um, Amalek. Here, here it is, Genesis thirty-six sixteen. <clears throat> Esau was the father of the Amalekites. He was a um, found it. <clears throat> so, so here now, um, God was telling Saul, "Remember, when you just came out of Egypt, <clears throat> Amalek confronted you instead of comforting you." Amalek fought against you instead of helping you. They attacked you from behind when you were not looking. They killed the weak and vulnerable. So that's why God told them to go and fight against the Amalekites. The things that will hurt you when you are not looking. So the Amalekites represent all of that. The, The person who will ambush you. Your flesh... Whenever you get weak, your flesh takes over and wants you to do things that you would not normally do if you are spiritually strong. So um, <clears throat> when you are weak, the flesh takes over. That's exactly what the Amalekites did. When they were weak, the Amalekites attacked them. And that's how your flesh would attack you. So um, the Amalekites here represents the flesh. So Saul gathered the people together and numbered them. This is after he got the instruction. So he's going to fight now. So he numbered the people and he had a plan. So he went down to where the Amalekites were and um, he hid in a ravine, in a valley for the appropriate time. There were another group of people living with the Amalekites called the Kenites. They were actually... Um, uh, Moses' father-in-law. They were, they, they they were from. He was from the same tribe with them, but they were friendly with the Israelites. So Saul told them, "Look, all of you, get yourself from out here because we, I'm about to attack the Amalekites, and you have shown us kindness. So we don't want none of you to be hurt in this conflict." But when you look at that. That means Saul, he kept up with what was going on. He knew that when the Israelites left Egypt, the Canaanites, the Canaanites were good to them. Likewise, he should have known that the Amalekites were um, tried to kill them. So he should have dealt with the Amalekites how God told him to deal with them. But he didn't. 
Then Saul attacked the Amalekites and destroyed them. However, he captured Agag, the king of the Amalekites, and took the best of the sheep, the oxen, the fatling, the lambs, and all that was good, and destroyed everything else. So his obedience was selective. He looked for the best things. He looked for the, the things that looked good. And that's what he kept back. But the instructions that God had given him was to destroy everything. All. Not the ones that look good or the ones that look bad. You, 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 you destroy and keep anything. Destroy, I mean, destroy all. <coughs> In those days, it was perfectly normal in war for the victor to take the best for themselves and get rid of what they did did not want. The enemy was at their mercy. This one was different though, because it was an appointed judgment from God. God remembered what the Amalekites did, and he was using the Israelites to judge them. So this wasn't any war where you could just go in and take what you want. You know, this was different. It was wrong for the Israelites to profit from the victory over the Amalekites. And moreover, he got specific instructions. So this was on him. Partial obedience. Saul and his men obeyed the word of the Lord up to a certain point. They made sure they secured the best for themselves and anything that was not worth their time or energy, they destroyed. It was about pleasing themselves rather than obeying God. So, in verse 10 and 11 now it says, Then came the word of the Lord unto Samuel, saying, It repented me that I have set up Saul to be king. For he is turned back from following me, and hath not performed my commandments. And it grieved Samuel, and he cried unto the Lord all night. So Samuel here is displaying a pastor's, he is a true pastor, because the pastor worries about his, his flock. He, he worries about people when their soul isn't right. And he prays to God. He is the intercessor. So here he heard what happened to um, Saul and he, he mourned all night. God was grieved because Saul disobeyed him. Every step of dif- disobedience takes us closer. Every step of obedience takes us closer to God. Likewise, every step of disobedience is a step away from God. Saul turned away from God. I've heard a pastor say this more than once. God will not give you another command until you, you, you obey the first one that he gave you. In, 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 for example, if God tells you to forgive those that trespass against you and you don't, he is not going to forgive you for your sins. So you have to first forgive. Do what he told you. Forgive those who trespass against you before he will forgive you for your trespass against him. Saul was given the awesome privilege to partner with God 
in wiping out the Amalekites. Saul probably thought this was a, wa- a, um, a waste to kill all the animals. See, he was carnal. He was looking at what he could gain from it. He wasn't looking at... He, he, his intention was not to follow the instruction from God. He was more looking at, you know, he's going to a war and he's looking for the spoils from the war. So that's why he was blinded to what was going on. You know, he probably thought he could put on some steak after, after this, you know, with some of those animals. <coughs> At this point, Saul was not spiritually connected to God. It is never a waste of time when we obey God. So, he disobeyed God. But it's, it's never a waste of time to obey God. You can never go wrong when you obey God. Our effort is never wasted when we sincerely give it to God. Likewise, our money is never wasted when we give it to God. So anything that you give to God sincerely, it is not a waste of time. And what we give to God represents how we value Him. How important He is in our lives. Obedience is not just a random command by God. It has a spiritual significance. And something is affected in the spiritual realm when we obey God. So verse 12. And when Samuel rose early to meet Saul in the morning, it was told Samuel, saying, Saul came to Carmel, and behold... He set him up a place and is gone about and passed on and gone down to Gilgal. It is Samuel who had anointed Saul king over Israel. And here he was now going to meet Saul with the judgment from God because of his disobedience. It hurt him because he, he anointed him. He was the first king of Israel. And it is Samuel who anointed him. And Samuel from Everything here, Samuel loved, I mean, Samuel loved Saul. So it hurt him what he did. Because if he had done right, God would have established him. But he didn't. So he has to tell him, you know, but it it really hurt his heart. Saul, on the other hand, was not grieved for his sin. He was pleased with what he did. And set up a monument. Here, what this is telling you is that the morning when um, Saul woke up, he went and he erected a monument. Because when you erect a monument, it's showing what you did or what you, you know, what you have achieved. So he went and he defeated the um, the Amalekites. So this is this is all about him. You know, he defeated him, so he set up this this monument. Saul wanted the praise from others and not from God. So that's that's where he went wrong. Romans 8.8 says, So then, they that are in the flesh cannot please God. So this is the reason are one of the reasons why Saul could not please God because he was in the flesh. He everything that he did, he was 
it, it had to be something that he could look at and he could see some kind of gain, material gain for himself. So that, that was his problem. But our lives should be like an arrow pointing to Christ. Verse 13. And Samuel came to Saul, and Saul said unto him, Blessed be thou of the Lord. I have performed the commandment of the Lord. So he, he reached a point now. He was, he was not connected to God. So he could just get up and just lie right in front of the prophet. The prophet came and he, he, he was just so, you know, he was so happy with his achievement. He saluted him real good. Blessed be thou of the Lord, you know. And he said he carried out his commandments. So, while Saul was telling Samuel that he obeyed God, Saul heard the animals making noise in the background. And I'm sure he could smell the animals too, because if you have a lot of animals close by, you're going to smell them. So, um, he heard the animals and he smelled the animals. So Saul's disobedience was obvious to Samuel, to, to Samuel, but it was completely invisible to Saul. He reached a point now where he couldn't even realize that he was lying. He had gotten so engrossed in it. He, he, you know, he was so overcome by it that he was lying and it was okay. Pride and disobedience blind us from our sin. And Saul said, no, Samuel said, And what meaneth then this bleating of the sheep in mine ear and the lowing of oxen which I hear? So, that's it. They were, um, he was telling him one thing, but he was, the reality is he was lying. Verse 15 says, And Saul said, they have brought them from the Amalekite for the people spear the best of the sheep and of the oxen to sacrifice unto the Lord thy God and the rest we have utterly destroyed. Now he's the king. And he's saying they have brought them from the Amalekites. Initially, when Samuel went to him, he reminded him that God established him as the, um, the king. So he's in charge. So it doesn't make sense now for him to come and say, they, he's in charge. They couldn't have taken it without him consenting to it. Because um, a couple chapters back, we see where he laid out a strict command once when he was fighting against the Philistine. He said, any man that eat any, anything will surely die. So he has this time when he is strict and firm. But here now, he wants to blame his men for taking the, um, the cattle. And the other thing is, is, he's telling them, they took them to sacrifice to the Lord. He realized that something wasn't going right here now, so he throws that in, you know. Sometimes we're doing things and um, it, looks, it looks bad. We kind of put a little religious 
tone on it and say, oh, yeah, we... we Go ahead, relative. Right. Because his commission was to enforce what, you know, carry out what God told him. He never intended to do it. Yes, that's true. Saul blamed his soldiers for, for disobedience. He blamed everyone else besides himself. So you know at this point, Saul is far from God. He has removed God from the center of his life. He is the God of himself. It's all about Saul. It's about nobody else, just Saul. And if you notice when Saul speaks to Samuel and makes reference to God, he says, the Lord, your God. Not, he doesn't bring that into the picture. It's not his God. It's your God. So he's far removed. God is out of his life. God is no longer his God. Saul also lied when he said the rest of the Amalekites he utterly destroyed. Because later on we're going to see in 1 Samuel 27, 8 and 30, verse 1, where David had encounter with the Amalekites. We also see in the book of Esther, three one Esther three one. You remember that story with Esther was all about um, Haman wanting to kill the, the Jews. Haman was an Amalekite. He was an Amalekite. So somehow some Amalekites got away, and you know they were still there in, in um, the other generation. Verses 16 to 19. <clears throat> then Samuel said unto Saul, Stay, and I will tell thee what the Lord had said to me this night. So, hold on. Let me tell you what God told me. And Saul, he said, you know, say on. Go ahead. Tell me what's going on. Samuel said to him, When thou was little in thy own sight, was thou not made the head of the tribe of Israel? And the Lord anointed thee king over Israel. And the Lord sent thee on a journey and said, Go and utterly destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, and fight against them until they be consumed. Wherefore then dost thou not obey the voice of the Lord, but didst fly upon the spoils and did evil in the sight of the Lord? Samuel had enough of Saul's excuses, so he told him to stop and just tell him what the Lord had to say. Um, God sent you on a mission to destroy the Amalekites, and you did not. Instead, you took the fat animals and you speared Agag. All this is evil in the sight of the Lord. So... Verse 20 and 21. And Saul said unto Samuel, Yea, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord, and have gone the way which the Lord sent me. 
and have brought Agag, the king of Amalek, and have utterly destroyed the Amalekites. So even when he's telling him, even when Agag is there, he is still insisting that he did the right thing. He obeyed. So he was far, far gone. You know, a lot of times when you're caught in your sin, then at that time you start to, what they call, fess up. <laughs> but <laughs> he, in the face of all this evidence, he was still saying, I, I obeyed. And again, he laid the blame on the people who were under his authority. He says the sheep and oxen were taken to offer sacrifice unto the Lord. So, Samuel said, Had the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifice as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to hearten than the fat of ram. If your heart is not right, and you're not obedient to God, your sacrifice is in vain. Saul was willing to offer the flesh of an animal to the Lord as a sacrifice. However, he was not willing to surrender his will to God in obedience. So, he, he was not obedient. He was quick to say, okay, let me offer up an animal, you know, these fatlings. But he wasn't willing to, offer, to surrender his will. 23 here now. And this is the final verse. 23. For verse 23. It says, For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, he hath also rejected thee from being king. So, he rejected God. And God rejected him. So, Saul was disobedient and turned his back on God. God was no longer the center of Saul's life. Saul was the center of his own life. Therefore, he is rejected. Individuals who practice witchcraft believe, trust, and worship a false god and turn their back on the true and living God. They too reject the true and living God. Because Saul rejected the word of God, he also rejected Saul from being king. God requires complete obedience. Anything else, including partial obedience, will come back to hurt us in the end. Saul was killed by an Amalekite. 2 Samuel 1, 8-10. If we look at 2 Samuel 1, 8-10. Saul was killed by an Amalekite. Second Samuel 1, 8-10. Nobody found that. Anybody? Can someone just read it? If you find it, please.
Amen. What happened here? Saul and his army was fighting against the Philistine. And the Philistine were defeating them. So Saul and his son Jonathan was running away. But Saul was wounded. And the Amalekites were, were the, the uh, Philistines were closing in on him. But here came an Amalekite from nowhere. And Saul saw him. I asked him, who are you? And he said, I'm an Amalekite. And he said, take the sword and kill me. Because he didn't want the Philistine to come and, you know, kill him. So the same Amalekite, that he, he disobeyed God's commandment and, um, and saved, they were the ones that killed him in the end. Finally, the best sacrificial offering we could bring to God is a repentant heart. And we see that in Psalm 51, 16 to 17. Psalm 51, 16 to 17. And our bodies surrender to his service for obedience. Romans 12, 1. Amen. Any question? I'm accustomed to being on the other end, so any questions? What did the scripture say there? Um, something like bef- kill him before the uncircumcised Philistine. What does it say there? I, I've, I've well, he was fighting a battle against the Philistines at the time. So, he wanted to, he didn't want them to capture him. They might have taken him away, tortured him, or they might not just kill him. Because when he died, they took up his body and they took it back to their camp and hung it up there and they, they, they mutilated his body. So, he didn't want that. He didn't want them to torture him there. He wanted somebody to kill him, put him out of his misery because he, he, he was injured. 